Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. For the past four weeks, your pastors have been encouraging you to do something of critical importance. So important for the Christian that it comes second only to worshiping God. It's the great commission Jesus gives his disciples the very first time he sees them after he is resurrected. I hope you understand the significance of that. It's the first thing he tells his disciples when he sees them. What does he say? Go and tell. Everybody tell somebody. In this series, we've been reminded of the promise that we don't do it alone, as Jesus is always with us, that nobody should be excluded from hearing the gospel as we meet them where they are, and that the message of salvation is for who? The whole world, right? The world needs good news. One additional point we made in each of these weeks is that we can do the job of going and telling in two ways, in our speech and with our actions. Indeed, we have words of life to speak and a life of love to share. It's this final point that I'd like to spend just a few more minutes on today so we're completely ready to go and tell. How many of you have heard of the name Lee Strobel? Well, three people, three out of 50-something isn't bad, I guess. <laughs> Lee Strobel uh, was previously an investigative journalist for the Chicago Tribune and a devout atheist but is now a pastor. In 1998, he wrote the book, The Case for Christ. Does that sound familiar to some of you, a few more of you now? The Case for Christ outlines his initial desire to refute the proofs of Jesus' death and resurrection, but the book ended up being the research through which he came to faith. And he tells of a time when he felt God prompting him to go and share an Easter invitation at the office where he once worked. And he shares this story in his own preaching. These are actually Lee Strobel's words. It was an average routine day and I was packing my stuff up to go home and I felt like God was kicking me in the butt and real specifically to go into the business office of the newspaper and invite my atheist friend to come to Easter services at our church. If God is really leading me to do this so specifically, this is going to be spectacular. He's probably going to repent right there, get on his knees and receive Christ. This is going to be fantastic. So I walk over to the business office with great anticipation. I walk in and look around. I see my friend behind his desk. Perfect. So I said, hey, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing great. I said, Hey, you know Easter is coming up. He said, Lee, I'm an atheist. I don't observe Easter. I said, 
Yeah, I know, but Easter is when we remember that Jesus rose from the dead. He said, no, he didn't. I said, well, actually, there's good historical evidence he did. I began to talk to him about the evidence historically uh, that Jesus rose from, historically, Jesus rose from death, and I'm trying to get in a bunch of all kinds of stuff, and you can see his eyes are glazing over. So I thought, okay, this isn't going well. So I took another tack. I said, so, yeah, do you ever think about God? He said, no. Okay, I said, do you have any questions about God? He said, no. Hey, look, I said, I know you like music. Our church has got great music. Why don't you come to Easter services? I think you'll like the music. He said, I don't want to go to your stupid church. Hey, okay, um, thanks. I'll talk to you. You know where my office is if you ever have a question. I thought I screwed it up, and I thought, what the heck was that? Why did God tug me so specifically to go and invite him to church and talk about Jesus and the resurrection? To this day, he's still an atheist, and I'm telling you, this bothered me for years. But I'll tell you now the rest of the story. Several years after that, by then I was a pastor at this church outside Chicago. I preached on a Sunday, and a guy came up to me and said, Can I just shake your hand and thank you for the spiritual influence you've had on my life? I said, Well... That's very nice. Who are you? He said, well, let me tell you my story. A few years ago, I lost my job and I was panic-stricken. I didn't have any money in the bank. I was going to lose my house. I was going to lose my car. I went to the newspaper and I said, hey, have you any odd jobs I could do to earn a buck at the newspaper? And the guy said, well, can you tile floors? And I said, well, I've tiled my bathroom. I think I could tile the floor. The guy said, well, we need some tiling installed and repaired at the newspaper, so if you can do that, we can pay you for a little while. So, he said, I went to work at the newspaper. One average day before Easter, I was in the business office of the newspaper, and I was on my hands and knees on the floor behind a desk working on some tile and you walked in the door. And I don't even think you knew I was there. You started talking to this guy about God. You started talking about the resurrection. You start talking about the historical evidence that Jesus really did rise. You started inviting him to church. But this guy was shutting you down, and I'm on my hands and knees behind this desk. And my heart's beating fast. I'm thinking, I need God. I need to go to church. So as soon as you left, I called my wife. I said, we're going to go to church on Easter. We came to your church that Easter. I came to faith. My wife came to faith. And our teenage son came to faith. And I just wanted to thank you. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. 
Had Strobel not said anything, even when feeling like a complete failure at it, that worker and his family would not have come to faith. Sometimes we have to say something. That's what we tell a child when they are overcome with anger or other strong emotions, don't we? We say, use your, use your words. It's not only great advice for us as well, it's the great commission. How to do this is a topic we could take another five weeks to talk about, but suffice it for now, for us simply to know it's imperative, and it was given as an imperative, that we speak the words of life we know to others. It may be challenging to do so, but if faith comes by hearing, then someone has to speak it first. We are the messengers. It may be awkward, uncomfortable, we may not understand how, but it also may be the very thing that eventually brings someone to make a decision for Jesus. Then again, speaking wonderful words of life may not be difficult at all, just maybe as we listen to the Holy Spirit, it's easy to do. Maybe you'll be very comfortable with it, and giving the message will be much, as much a blessing to you as it is for the one who is receiving it. You won't know until you try. But regardless, gave, God gave each of us a mouth. It's not just a food portal. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Who is it that needs to hear your words of life today? That being said, it's equally clear that sometimes you tell somebody with a life of love. We've all heard it said that actions speak louder than words. But in the context of sharing the gospel, that's not necessarily true. However, there are times when people need to see our faith rather than hear about it. Or maybe it's better said that some need to see our faith before they are ready to hear about it. Both are important, but Jesus modeled this many times when he healed someone. There's a very specific need, and Jesus met it first as he invited those he healed to consider their faith and who it was that just healed them. The people God asks us to go and tell also have practical needs. To belong, to be forgiven, to be accepted, to be challenged, to be embraced. In addition to the most basic needs of safety, food, shelter, water, and especially the need to be loved. We can offer those things, which may open others up to hearing what we have to say, the promise of salvation through Jesus. A kind gesture, a hug, a bag of food, a hand with the groceries, a little time spent 
with them, maybe even just a smile. What kinds of ways do you show a life of love for the purpose of sharing the good news? The scripture from Luke about what it is, is all about what it means to really love others. We are offered a very tall challenge, I think, through it. All of those things I just listed and more, perhaps some that you've just thought about, these ways of showing a life of love, they make the biggest impact when we can do them not just for those we love or get along with or have the most in common with or who are the easiest to love, but also to the ones who are difficult to love, who we have a hard time getting along with, we may have nothing in common with them, and they may even be our enemies. Says the scripture and is exemplified in the cross. Who is it that needs to see your life of love today? It may be someone very close to you, and then again, it may be the one who has made or is trying to make life miserable for you. I'm not just talking about your spouse. Many of you know I grew up Catholic and my parents went through the Marriage Encounter Program. Have you ever heard of that? It's also a cursio in other movements and that sort of thing. I don't remember a whole lot about it, of course, because it just dealt with my mother and father, but I do remember a core teaching they shared uh, with the kids. To love is a decision. You heard that before? I think it's great advice, not just for marriages, but for everyone. In our context, loving those who are hard to love takes a conscious decision and effort and sacrifice. Last week, Pastor Nancy asked this question. Did you ever stop to think that those most unlike us may be the ones we need the most? If we are going to live a life of love like Jesus did, that's who we should be showing. Not just the most unlike us, but the most unlikely to receive our love. Maybe it's time to turn back around the prevailing notion from outsiders that churchgoers and Jesus lovers are just hypocritical, judgmental, hold grudges, ignore, avoid, and always have to be right. But scripture shares with us a way that could turn that around pretty quickly. The answer is showing a life of love to everybody, especially the most When I was growing up, one of the elementary school activities I remember most was something called show and tell. Anybody remember show and tell? I remember specifically liking it because I found it interesting to know why somebody considered what they showed as their favorite item. It would have been boring, terribly boring, if the child had not showed the item to the class. Anybody ever show up to class without the item? It was their turn for show and tell, and they didn't bring in their item, and, and the teacher made them do it anyway. Uh, I remember those a couple of times. Boring, boring show and tell. 
But it's just as lacking if that child, if she or he had nothing to say about it. Wanted to know what was so special about that toy or whatever they were showing. <laughs> Maybe that's a good way to end our series. We need to go and tell, but we also need to show and tell. Knowing that without both words of life and a life of love, we're missing the point. God needs us to share both. And it will take our heart, our hands, our feet, our stories, our brains, especially our mouths and our actions, all of us, to reach those who are near or far from God. Sisters and brothers, let's go and tell everyone, everywhere, with everything we can offer. Amen? So here is the response I would like for you to make this morning. Having just heard five weeks of us talking about going and telling and the message for today, I wonder who it is that one person, and we may have asked you this before, who is that one person you need to go and tell. I'm thinking that God, if you've been listening to these messages and listening carefully, God is speaking to you and has put a name directly into your mind and in your heart over these past five weeks if he's not doing so right now. Who is that person you need to go and tell or show? Which leads me to the second part of this response. What is that one, just one? I, you don't have to rearrange your life. Not yet, anyway. God will get to that. But what is that one thing you can do? What one ongoing act of love can you share with either that one person or others that helps you to go and tell? One person... One act of love. What are those things? And I would suggest somewhere on your bulletin, you know what, write it down next to the title for the sermon today. Words of life and a life of love. Write down that name and that one act of love and then pray about it this week. Ask God to help you do what we've been preaching and talking about and considering together for the past 